Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Motherkind podcast with me your host Zoe Blasky where each week I chat about all things motherhood and well-being. My mission with this podcast is to help you reconnect to you, to feel happier, more joyful, calmer and that little bit kinder to yourself because I think life as a mum in this hectic modern world is hard enough as it is. I believe becoming the happiest, most alive version of ourselves is the most important and inspiring thing we can do for our children. This episode is kindly sponsored by NHS Test and Trace. With the kids finally back at school, hurrah, and some normalcy returning, we're all keen to keep life moving, aren't we? So, NHS Test and Trace are encouraging all adults in England to get tested twice a week using totally free rapid COVID-19 tests, which are now available for all adults in England. So, testing is going to help prevent the around one in three people who have COVID-19 but with no symptoms. So, they spread it with absolutely no knowledge that they are doing that. So we're all really busy, but rapid testing is a fast and easy way to find out if you have coronavirus with results in around 30 minutes. Isn't that brilliant? So you can order tests to home, which is what we've been doing. Go to a test site or participating pharmacies. For more information and guidance online, go to nhs.uk forward slash get tested. That's nhs.uk forward slash get tested. And the more of us that take part, the more we can help protect each other. So, on to this week's episode. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Motherkind podcast with me, your host, Zoe Blasky. I hope you're all really well this week. This episode is all about the power of slowing down, even if just for a few minutes a day. Fiona Arago is an internationally acclaimed intuitive healer, mentor, life teacher. She's also a qualified psychotherapist and biodynamic psychologist. She's acknowledged as a leader in her field. And for the past 35 years, isn't that amazing? Fiona has been running a really famous retreat in Somerset and actually globally called the Arago Programme, which brings together her approach for working through trauma and stress, which is all about helping liberate and shift energy and You know, reading the reviews of the retreat, lots of people say it's where five days can feel like five years of therapy. So it was really, really exciting to be able to chat to Fiona, especially at this time. She is a mum of two grown-up children, so having that perspective was really fantastic as well. We chat in this episode about how the pandemic is both unbelievably challenging and an opportunity and how to hold those two truths together She talked about her own journey as a mother, which led me to tears, actually. She had an incredibly hard start to life, which we talk about, and then went on to, you know, parent very differently and now has these two incredible grown-up children. It was such a profound moment for me to talk about that journey. We also talk about slowing down, as I mentioned, and how we can only listen to ourselves when we slow down. I can't tell you the amount of emails and DMs that I get saying, I feel like I don't know who I am. I don't know what I want to do for a job. I feel like I've lost connection with my values. I can't make a decision. And, you know, so often I think that's because we don't stop and listen to ourselves. We don't even spend 10 minutes 
you know, in meditation or just 10 minutes without a phone or 10 minutes just sitting and being, that's where your truth bubbles up from. That's where you get to make these decisions based on that part of you that knows what's right for you. But we can only get there if we slow down. So I'm so excited about this episode. Please do let me know what you thought. As ever, connect on Instagram, DM me, email me, me or one of the team will always get back to you. I'm sending you so much love. Here's the episode. Well, Fiona, I'm so excited to have this chat at this time. I think, you know, there are certain guests that are just perfect for the moment that we're in and and you're definitely one of those. So thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Zoe, for the work you're doing, which is incredible, and for inviting me on. I'm excited to have this conversation with you. So you've called this time a global reset. And I think I read that you'd said somewhere, you know, it's almost as if Mother Earth has sent us all to our rooms. Yeah. Think about what we've done. But I think for mothers, you know, it's such an interesting tension because for me, in some ways, it's felt like the opposite of a reset in some ways because it's been so intense oh listen for sure you know my heart goes out to every single mother at this time because of the demands that are being made on women on mothers like no other time but within that you know my work has been dedicated to the last 35 odd years of the bigger picture and how that narrative interfaces with our personal lives So from my perspective, we can't ignore this massive global awakening and the effect this is having on our personal lives. And likewise, how our personal lives affect the whole. So the age of separation is narrowing and who we are as human beings, who we are as women, as we are for this moment in time, the leaders for this moment. So how do our lives fit into everything that is happening right now? These are huge subjects and delicate subjects when women, mothers, are also facing exhaustion and depletion and what the F, (laughs) where can I go, what do I do, how do I manage all that's being asked of me? You know, it's so interesting, isn't it? Because I know in my life, Whenever there's been a precursor to a transformation or a change, it has been the darkest of times. Yeah. That just seems to be, I don't know your experience, that seems to be how it is for me. And I suspect on a global level that as there's opportunity for more light, there's also more shadow. shadow. Absolutely, 1,000%. And in the extraordinary template that we have of being humans on this planet earth you know we have been changing and we hope for future generations that we don't have to change through the traumatization of our pain body but at this moment the greatest shifts do come in the darkest hour as we begin to understand what our body being psyche soul has been through and as we wake up and realize it's painful and scary even though this is the age of enlightenment there's so much knowledge out there that's also can perhaps be overwhelming because there's so much information and yet how do we find our north star how do we find our own grid to know the right way for us 
So kind of for, I think that narrative is undeniable. This has been an incredibly dark time, particularly for mothers. And yet what I, I love about your message is, as you say, that global perspective and it's holding that duality, isn't it, of the incredibly painful individual experience. And yet there is this opportunity on an individual and therefore global level for transformation, for really questioning, you know, and I'm wondering, just thinking about it now, you know, whether the level of exhaustion and depletion that so many mothers have got to is part of the awakening, you know, how have I allowed this to happen? What can I do differently? Asking ourselves those really powerful questions. It's hard to do when you're exhausted. That's the only thing. Yeah, it's, you know, so, you know, here we are, we're going to have a wonderful conversation for the next hour. And yet, how do we implement that compassionately into practicality? Because the world itself is exhausted. The world itself is depleted. The microbiomes, the natural intelligences, the way we've behaved have been so demanded of. And so now, as we go into this potential of a global reset, a global re-examination of who am I, what am I, and who do I want to be? And these are three very essential questions, I think, that we could all be asking ourselves many times of the day. Because this coherence, even though for any mother, mama listening now and who may think, oh my goodness, not another thing to do. But in order to get into the swing of this new way, we have to come out of this way that we have been educated, which has often been isolated and singular, and therefore with loving respect, often selfish, into this new way of being, which is a new current of care, togetherness, and joining our voices, and finding support, and finding our tribes, and getting into the authenticity that when we've been educated to think that we must be super mums, we have to be able to cope with everything. We have to keep on top of our game, be goddess in the bedroom, mum in the nursery, master chef in the kitchen, running a business. You know, somehow this out of balance state that has arisen with opportunity so it's interesting in our socialization, it's like as we get more opportunity, we simultaneously get more depletion because the body isn't getting time to process and really ask these fundamental questions. Is this good for me? Which you talk, I think, about in terms of self-regulation. And when we get into group work, it's co-regulation. And if we haven't been given that wisdom if we haven't been given that kind of grandmother wisdom, and, you know, I'm sorry to hear about the passing of your grandmother, but the grandmother wisdom, you know, in its archetype is there to pass on that wisdom of stop, wait, pause, understand, consider, forgive, accept. You have all the time in the world against a world that is so demanding that says you don't have any time, keep going no matter what, do your best, don't crumble, use your will, forget about your body, push, 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 push. And we're seeing the collapse. We can no longer push. And as you said, when we went into COVID lockdown one, 
which in many respects was very magical that first six weeks, eight weeks, because the world went silent. And we had a moment, as I said, to go into Mother Nature's waiting room or Mother Nature's naughty room in a way (laughs) to reflect and think about our lives and what are we doing. And what would you say to someone listening who isn't quite there yet, is kind of thinking, I'm just exhausted and I need more hours in the day and this has been you know, the hardest time. We talked about this kind of dark night of the soul idea of this time. What would you say to that mother who's in that place listening? Yeah, I mean, I think the entering in of compassionate understanding and to reach out, to try when you can to get support and to find, even though this isn't going to fix it, let's not be naive, but to start implementing time that you really get to process. You must have time to process. If you don't process, you get stuck. This doesn't mean necessarily going to your therapist, but it is having daily check-ins with how am I, what's really going on? How am I coping? What am I struggling with? To help it become conscious so it can regulate Because if we just keep going in a world, and again, you know, as I said to you before we open this, you know, I've been a single mother and also a visionary and also a therapist and also the founder of two companies. I know what this story is. And the only way I could cope was to do with what I'm speaking to you about now with passion and compassion is unless we regulate ourselves and really get that into our membrane, that in order for a healthy family, we have to stop overdoing and cut back into what we can really do and balance it. Because, of course, now there's homeschooling, there's food, there's no time out whatsoever. There's no time to grab a tison, I was going to say coffee, (laughs) with a girlfriend. There's no time. I cannot imagine what this must have been like for mothers. But we have to find time to process and pause and connect to ourselves, which means deeply connecting. How am I in this moment? What is going on for me? And knowing that You don't have to hold it all together. You don't have to be perfect. This is old world material. What you have to be is authentic. What drives in your experience that overdoing? How much is it? And I know you've worked with thousands of women on this. How much of it's societal and how much of it is family trauma? You know, that idea that our worth by our very well-meaning but perhaps unconscious mothers or parents or caregivers when we were little you know valuing when we did things as opposed to when we rested how much of both of those drivers do you see emerging with people you work with such a great question such a great question so I would say because we are a planet that is not in contact with itself and not in contact with its cycles and not in contact with nature And there has been a rupture 
with our connection to whatever you want to call this God, great spirit, higher self, and earth, our grounding, and that we have been taken over by, in a way, a patriarchal system that rewards us on what we need to have in order to be successful, that we have been, in a way, hypnotized into that way of being, that we have to follow the God of avarice and take and have and gather more and more stuff. This has knocked our intuition out of place. And so the baseline of your primary personality, which is that you are instinctual, intuitive beings, has been taken away. And so we look at generational, you know, you've done enough work, we're all seeing this. Trauma is held in the ancestral passageway. It's been passed down through the generations, primarily from survival. People have had to survive. And in order to survive, they've had to disconnect. And in order to disconnect, generationally, we haven't necessarily had the right mirroring. In a way, I would say the mirror to your soul, the mirror to who you really are, the fact that all of us need validation, all of us need to be seen, and there hasn't been time for that. So there's been great trauma in the family system, of course, World War I, World War II. Have we recovered from that? Famines, disease, and within the personal planet, you know, abuse, alcoholism, drug addiction, all of it comes from a separation from our sensitivity and how we can connect and cope. So it's a say- lot. It's a lot. I'm just thinking it through. I think, you know, what what I'm hearing is that it's both, right? And actually they're inseparable. <laughs> Maybe yeah. my question was too linear, you know, that really they are inseparable. The, the global is the global is the individual and the way that we've been living as a planet has impacted each of us individually and continues to do so actually on on the next generation of course because no one can heal perfectly right i want to talk to you as a mother because i was just fascinated by your story and and it seemed to me like you had two lives in a way the kind of life that you had up until you had your children and your car crashes and then came back to London and I think you're about 30 then and I'm wondering if you could talk to those two sides of your experience and what it was like to be a single mother without the knowledge and awareness that you have now and carrying so much trauma from your own mother wound and your own mother line what was that like living that experience at which point any point that comes up Okay, well, I mean, just briefly, historically, I mean, I came like many thread weavers out of a wonderfully dysfunctional family. I lost my mother when I was five years of age. She committed suicide. And I was sent to boarding school very young. So all my life's passageway up to 30, you know, and then in my early life, it was full of glamour and I was modelling and I was in fashion and I was married to a very handsome man living a form of a dream in the Mediterranean. 
But it was all a massive rupture and journey of disconnect and deep, deep pain and loss, even though superficially, like for many of us, it looked like it was all okay. But there was so much loss and pain. And this led to a night when I was in Malta where I was run over. I was walking. I was a pedestrian and I was hit by a car and I ended up in the back seat of the car with multiple breaks all over my body, which took a year and a half to recover from. And then I had a second car accident. I came out of hospital in November, one and a half years later, and I had another accident which broke every other part of my body on January the 1st in Africa. So I was stopped and broken in my tracks and Mm. there was only one way to go. You know, I had all sorts of awakenings as I journeyed through this time. You know, I was shifting and awakening and asking questions and having experiences. And for me, coming out of that situation, when I eventually learned to walk again and everything, was about a massive personal reset where I wanted to find answers And I went on this very, very deep exploration, which is where I am still today, 66 years later, deeply exploring life. How did you mother through that time? Where does your motherhood journey fit into that? Okay, so I had my first son just at the beginning. So this all happened, if there are any astrologers listening, this all happened on my Saturn return. So I had my first car accident at 27, my second one at 29 and then my first child when I was 30, 31. I think I was always very brave and I think I was always quite subordinate (laughs) and I think I wasn't very interested in buying the story. I think that has always been like a stamp that I was born with to question the value systems of what I was living from. And so very naively and in that Scarlet O'Hara way, I stepped out at 30, having begun my journey, my inquiry journey, which was about yoga, metaphysics, psychology, the kind of blend of everything many of us are working with today. And I decided to leave my husband as I hadn't been happy with him for 10 years. And with a faith and a belief that my son and I could travel through this new unfolding world that I had found. You know, looking back now and then latterly, and then later on, I had another child who is now 25. And for sure, without any doubt, the greatest gift in my life has been to mother. And I could weep even now talking to you, really. And to mother consciously as best I can, because I had to learn on my toes. And to take the richness of the lessons that my children were bringing me as teachers to really imago back to me where I was healed and where I was not healed. So in a way, I went on a conscious, and I still am, a conscious journey with my children to heal the shadow wounds, to heal the mother wounds, as you've referred, to do it differently than to parent differently from what my father, bless his heart, couldn't give. 
and from my mother, bless her heart, couldn't give. And to repair by choosing a different way to turn up for my children and to keep in the prayer for all mothers, I forgive myself, I accept myself. That has to be a mantra because I think as mothers, we're born into guilt. As much as we're born into love, we have so much guilt about not doing it right and not getting it right. And the love and the pressure that is on us continuously from this thread of wanting to be the best we can for our children. So for me, it was very much about having very real conversations. There wasn't a dad and I had to work and I worked very hard. And there was always this conversation with them of how are they, how am I, what are they feeling? What's their reflection? Having to swallow down when often <laughs> it was quite negative and having to get very humble in my heart opening to being as natural as I could with them and as honest as I could with them. And it wasn't a perfect journey. I mean, I always say the miracle is that I have two extraordinary children that are very conscious and very wonderful. But we grew up together, actually. You know, there were moments when, of course, I was very much the parent and I created the boundaries and the structures, which created safety for them and for the healing of my own journey, creating safety for myself. And to know somehow to rest in this trust you know, if I could give something back to the world, if I was a fairy godmother, I would sprinkle gold dust that we could learn to trust again because so many of us are divorced from trust. We don't trust ourselves and we look outside. This is how the old world has taught us is that all answers are outside. As I said earlier, you know, it's gratification and if you succeed... And now we have to begin this journey of trusting ourselves in whatever way we can. And so this was my journey of mothering. It was strong medicine, having a son who was powerful <laughs> and a daughter who was gentle. It was powerful. I mean, there's so much in your story. It's so beautiful. And I think what is you know, you said it in there that we kind of grew up together and that's my experience. And I find it, it's so challenging to not have, you know, my parents were both incredible people, but they were, you know, deeply traumatized and yeah. hadn't had the opportunity for healing that I have. So kind of feels like I'm doing it blind. And I know that's the experience of so many women of my generation. Yeah. And I think it would be good to talk to that a bit of how, Particularly, you know, when we were talking about this narrative that the exhaustion and the pressure, and yet there's kind of other pressure. And it's so interesting, this tension between the compassion and the forgiveness and also the pressure. And I think, if I'm honest, my husband said it to me the other day, he's like, you put too much pressure on yourself to do this, not perfectly, but just to be so conscious all the time with them. Yes. And that is another pressure. And I'm wondering... You know, when you reflect back now, you have the grace of these two incredible grown-up children and yeah. 
So you bring such a beautiful perspective to me and the listeners. You know, what were the bits and the things that you thought, I really want to get that bit okay? And actually, that these things are not so important. Like for me, one of the things that I really want to get is that the girls were allowed their feelings because I wasn't allowed mine. You know, my mum, bless her heart, could not sit with her feelings, so she couldn't sit with mine. So I was shut down. That spun off so many challenges for me. And I'm wondering what the things through your parenting journey did you really, did you really want to do differently? I think without doubt it's this validation to validate the children. I see you, I hear you, you're important, I love you. That was always the sort of referring back to position. For me, I took a big stand on education. I think because I'm so committed to this understanding that we need time and process to be able to digest and regulate our life and our nervous system and our soul nerve, the vagus system. If we are constantly in a state of alert or fight, flight, freeze, our nervous systems anyway are being absorbed by our children. This is why we need to take care of ourselves and look after ourselves. The other important piece for me was I wasn't so interested. And sometimes my kids look back at me and say, you know, you could have given us more structure, more boundaries. You know, hey, what could I do? For me, I have a distaste for the over-educational model that we are using for our children today in terms of the way they have to learn, the way they are being educated, all these understandings of having to look out and learn about history, physics, geography, the long hours. You know, mothers pre-COVID were run ragged in London because not only were they fighting to get their children into good schools, fighting with the homework at night, fighting after school for, you know, whether the kids had to go swimming or learn the violin or whatever, in this need to keep giving our children more and more and more, which is a follow-on from the planets, more, more, more. And we are getting lost in that. We're absolutely getting lost in that. And so these beautiful mothers, you know, wanting to give from their hearts everything to their children, for me, the answer is not giving them more, 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 more. The answer is allowing them to feel less, less, less and keeping it simple. And then to confront and go through the detox phase, which is I'm bored. What can I do? Whining, all these things that come. And because we often feel so overcharged ourselves, we have to give them something to soothe that particular moment that's coming up because we don't have the time to deal with it or we don't have the education to deal with it. So for me, you know, there were times when I took my children out of school. I don't know if they won't be listening to this, but there were times when I took my children out of school, when I felt they were in overwhelm. I'm not saying this is the way. I'm just answering you very sincerely how I coped as a parent. And when I felt that they were getting too full, too confused, too over-influenced, and that they needed to recess and just come back into a form of their own flow and figure it out. 
and gives them time to figure it out, you know, to paint, to build, to imagine. Again, I tried not to give my children too many toys, too much plastic, too much, and wanted them to really engage more with that Steiner principle of the world of imagination. Because all the information for all of us, whether we're mothers, daughters, or grandmothers, we all have wisdom inside of us. It's there. It's not something reserved for gurus or master teachers. Everybody has wisdom. But if it's interrupted all the time, we can't feel our wisdom. How can we make those connections? And parenting is a very courageous journey. And we often don't even have a chance to consider the courageousness of birthing a child into consciousness. We don't get to consider that. But it is, it's massively courageous. And we need time to consider these things and to follow your gut, your instinct, what feels right for you that may not be what your best friend is doing. It may not be what the most up, moment guidance book recommends it's what's right for you and to know when to stop when to put it all down when just to hang out when to be connected to your children because most of all the children need to feel safe and connected it's really good to hear because actually jesse is at school although i am considerably thinking about that but We don't do anything after school. We don't do any clubs. She doesn't do any classes. Neither of them do. And it's so interesting about holding on to that truth because yesterday, and this is so impertinent for me, it's a tiny thing, but it's a big thing. You know, I was talking to one of the mums and she was saying, well, we can't do Monday night because we do ballet. We can't do Tuesday night because we do tennis. And there's no judgment there. That's right for her and her family. But I started to think, gosh, am I doing... Jessie a disservice should she be doing tennis and ballet and you know you've just reminded me to come back to my truth which is like no because my value and what's most important to me is slowness and stillness and connection and you've just really helped underscore that for me if you were in charge of education in the UK what is one really big change that you would want to see and what's really one micro change that you could imagine happening you know, relatively simply? I think the bigger change would be teaching children emotional intelligence, that that's on the curriculum, and teaching children about humanity and new ways to be in relationships with each other, and that we are all vulnerable as human beings and we all carry a story, and to really work on I am another you, and really get that landed and let off some of this old educational modelling. And the smaller version would be to actively teach children the value of pause and reflection and consideration. So to have that instead of rushing, because what do we do? We go from one schoolroom to another, laden with books, probably not having drunk and gone into just another room to learn more and get more stuff coming at us. So my small version would be the bell chiming and kids stopping and pausing and feeling 
and slowing down and connecting before they take on the next bit. Would I get the job? (laughs) I'd give you the job. (laughs) I think that's happening more and more, isn't it? I mean, we're in a, not in a progressive school, actually, compared to some that I looked at, but a relatively progressive school. And, but it's a private school and they do little bits of meditation and mindfulness, but there's such a long way. There's such a long way to go. But I feel very hopeful. Do you feel hopeful? I see the possibility and potential of what we're going into. I think that this wake up and all the people that are waking up in different ways, especially around entrepreneurship and money and give back and saying no and standing up and wanting to do it differently. And I also see so much sorrow and pain because you know, the minorities are having these conversations. The minorities are listening to podcasts, you know, and I'm very aware that out in the street right now, somebody is fighting for their food. People have got bad nutrition. They may have been locked up with four children and just television. And we are in a very, very unequal world. And so where I see hope is that this division, this polarization will start to heal as we become more conscious of each other. You're so true. You know, and I think about that a lot, that if you're listening to this podcast, you are probably in a relatively privileged position because, as you say, there are so many mothers in their pain, in their trauma, unable to cope, worrying about where the next meal is from. And if I was in that position, there is no way I would be thinking about my own healing. There's no way I would. I would be thinking about survival. Absolutely. I'm wondering what, you know, as these kind of privileged mothers that we are in so many ways, what can we do? How can we help? If we think of the big picture and all that has to be attended to in the world, I think we can get overwhelmed. What I talk about a lot in all my women's groups and Sunday Sanctuary and New Codes of Living and all these things that I do, this is the age of coherence. And it's the age of how our personal lives affect the whole. And each moment that we get up to be a better version of ourselves is contributory because it's no longer an age of separation. You, Zoe, me, Fiona, and all the women that are listening now, we are affecting life. We are affecting our future. We are affecting by how we are, which is why I stress, let's try to do it differently. Let's try not to rush. Let's try to pause. Let's try to wind back in whatever ways we can so we can make connections to ourselves and to our family. And that has to ripple out. If you get enough of us doing it in this movement, it ripples out. In a way, we become one giant bird flying on two enormous wings into a collective of old saying, we want to do it differently. We want to care. We want to heal. We want to contribute. We want to collaborate. And so it is about our personal journey. Every time you take a breath or do one yoga position or write one thing down in your diary or stop your world for five minutes and just know you are enough for your child in that moment, because all she or he wants is you. All she or he wants is you. She wants to taste you, to see you, to feel you, 
to be in you so that her body, her nervous system can heal by your well-being. So she knows, he knows that they are safe. And that safety is the part that builds self-esteem. That's the safety piece that builds confidence in the world. And this rupture again, you know, we've done amazingly as parents in the last 20, 25 years, the progress from what we came, what I came from, from my mother and what my mother came from, her grandmother, with all great intention, but we weren't connected. And whether that's right or wrong, where we are now is what we are being asked to do is connect. You know, this is kind of the core mother kind teaching and your message is so resonant with that is that it starts with us because sometimes, you know, I can use mother kind and my passion and my mission for it to avoid myself. I can yes. think I'm doing, you know, I'm doing so much good and I'm helping so many and I'm reaching so many and how do I reach more? How do I reach more? And I really have to watch that yes. because it always comes back to me and you know I think there's as you say how is my nervous system you know it's such a powerful question to ask how am I feeling because if I try to go out and give and help and be of service from a dysregulated place then I'm just in more of my trauma basically exactly it's not helpful and something you said I just really want to underscore it because I think it's so powerful is that you said, you know, children pick up, I can't remember the exact word, mirror the state of our nervous system. And I think if there was one message that I just wish all mothers could hear, it's that there is never a more important time to look after yourself. Absolutely. And becoming a mother. It's just, it's so heartbreaking to me that still the narrative is the opposite of that, that it's selfish and we carry so much guilt doing that. And you touched on guilt. And I just wondered if just with your perspective, we could just focus on guilt a bit more because I think that's such a blocker to the women doing, mothers doing all that we've talked about in this episode is that they feel guilty for stopping, for resting, for saying no to tennis club, for putting the TV on so that they can have five minutes in Shavasana on the floor or whatever. What drives that guilt? How do we reframe it to allow us to unlock the part of us that, as you said, that innate ancestral wisdom of the power of rest? I mean, I think there's that omnipresent peace, you know, which is in all our psyches of the mother that we could never satisfy, the mother that we would never be enough for, the mother. And that could also be a God state. There's something, you know, much bigger lodged in the collective consciousness of which we are all pulling out threads to not be anymore. And so this feeling of guilt is ingrained at such a depth into the unconscious. We could say since we, you know, metaphorically left um, the Garden of Eden, we are a planet full of guilt. And so it's a recovery piece, a massive personal recovery piece of how we can bring ourselves out. And it has to be with our own validation pieces of we are enough, we are doing enough. And even if we don't believe it, because, you know, like many great women, we have to fake it till we make it. Again, if we could rub out this 21st century disease of perfectionism and rub in the 
deep, deep self-acceptance to really learn on a minute-to-minute basis to reprogram the self, the inherited self, that says continuously, we are not enough, we have to do more, we are not giving enough. And to take that seriously, because those messages are not about you personally. It is written into the collective narrative forever that because, you know, again, it's more transpersonal, this conversation, that because we've been pushed out to look at what we're not and what we should be. And therefore, to remove the guilt has to be part of that story, to look in, to say, just now we are enough, even if we don't know what to do. We are enough in that connection to what I would call, and you may call, the authentic part of ourselves. There's no magic cure for removing guilt. It's a process of awakening and acknowledging and knowing that there is not one person on this planet that doesn't have it. It's like if we're going to talk about the original sin, guilt, inverted commas, fear, is what we come into this world with. And even if you've been graced to have amazing conscious parents, that is still going to come up because it's triggered into the story of how we have been living here. So it's not kind of this idea that we can stop that thought or feeling or whatever we call it. It's reframing it in the moment. And how do we integrate that, you know, with loving compassion, with self-acceptance, with self-validation? We have to keep working to retrain those neurological passageways that have kept us in the control of sabotage, that has kept us in the control of inner critic. It's a rhetoric. It's a story. And so we have to retrain ourselves just lovingly. Even though right now I'm consumed with guilt, I want the best for my child. Even though right now I am consumed with guilt and I feel I'm not doing it right. I love myself. I forgive myself. I understand myself. Even though right now I'm exhausted and I've got nothing else to give, I love and appreciate and care about myself. Is constantly reframing. It won't just happen. Guilt is a primary. It's not going to just happen. We have to work at it as often as we can. So we start to get more spaciousness into our system and more openness into our system rather than all these endless words of not being good enough and not achieving and not being pretty enough and not being thin enough, which is then not being clever enough, not being popular enough, not ever being enough, that then comes into our birth piece and our mothering piece. It's a massive inheritance. It's deeply, deeply sad when we have the potential to be so not this. And yet this is why I think all our work is so important, because if we reframe one sentence a day, we're winning and we're contributing. Start small. So often we think that, you know, we climb the mountain, take the first step, just take the first step. Well, even listening to this. Even listening to this. 
it's a prayer. You know, and everybody's struggling, all the mothers are struggling, only from one thing is they want to give their children the best. And that's never, ever changed from whether Eve had a baby or Mary Magdalene had a baby. Who knows? It's always been the same. Mothers have always wanted to give their children the best. I could weep. Mothers have always wanted to protect their children to the highest possible way if they're not coming out. And of course, there's the story of trauma and abuse where mothers can't do that because of all this. But in general, mothers want to give the best and they are fighting with every bone in their body to give the best. Have you forgiven your mother? Gosh, that's straight in there. A lot. And there's more. There's a constant, constant, you know, I'm certainly not the perfect model. I'm deeply human and working every single day on my humanness. So yes, a lot. There's a lot of understanding, a lot of compassion, a lot of integration. But I grew from an unmothered world. And interesting in a lot of my work, you know, I take that archetype on in my healing. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it? So, again, you'll know this, Zoe, the power of gratitude to transform the moment. So the more we can live in what I would call prayer, but the more we can live in gratitude. Gratitude dissolves stress and pain at a quantum level. When we move into the field of gratitude, it takes us back to connection and what I said earlier, connection is our birthright. So when you say, have I forgiven my mother? The biggest piece for me is my mother helped me to become who I am today. And through the sorrow and the heartbreak and the abandonment and the terror and the unknown and the shadowlands, I became this today. So she was my greatest teacher and my greatest gift, and my greatest prayer of gratitude. Mm. I noticed that, you know, most of the great healers, seekers, light workers, teachers come from, you know, great pain and great sorrow. Great pain, great wound. I think that's clearly no coincidence. And we hope, you know, today in all this evolution of extraordinary healers and knowledge holders and what I call thread weavers, that, as I said right at the beginning, that we hope that our grandchildren will not have to grow through pain. That's my hope for my grandchildren. As All we grandchildren. work with restoration to restore the balance on planet Earth mm. through our own alchemical process, that perhaps in future generations, they will not have to journey through pain in the same way. Mm. And that we are all clearing the pain body. And if someone's kind of connecting with this idea of clearing and doing the work, are you running your physical retreats this year or are you doing them online? Tell us where someone can, you know, if they've connected with this work and this idea, you go into it yeah. five days and longer yeah. on your retreats. Tell us about those. I mean, the thing that I'm most excited about at this moment because it can reach as you're doing now so many people is in this whole explosion of online and as much as I've been working for 30 odd years with people directly I think there's so much opportunity for online 
So I run three things online. One is Sunday Sanctuary, which I gave every week all the way through first lockdown from March to December. Now it's once a month because I have to drink my own medicine and rest. So that's a free service and you can find that through A Place to Heal or the Arigo program websites. I also, which I'm very, very excited, have started, well, we're on round three now of something called New Codes of Living, which is a teaching and a sharing space where women can come together to share. And we have an age group of 24 to 65, which is amazing. And that's once a month I talk with a guest speaker. I should have you on, Zoe, definitely. And there's support groups every Tuesday. There's Friday Night Cafe. There's films. There's a whole online community to really nourish people. And what you can't attend, obviously, there are the recordings. I also hold, which I'll do now in the autumn because the weather's getting good, and hopefully we will be continued to be allowed to go outside. So I give online retreats, which are called Women Together, which deal with the larger narrative and the personal narrative and how they interconnect. And then my other work is I do my own personal mentoring. And I also have intensives where people come and do one-to-one retreats with me in Somerset. And I also run group retreats which will be starting in June, which we will be covering. These will be in England. We will be covering grief, bounce back and core wounding this year. And then next year, I'm also going to do new models of relationship, how we can become fully alive and on and on and on and on it goes. And then I also do, when we're allowed, international retreats. I'm tired thinking about all that. (laughs) But, you know, again, you know, this is our passion. This is our vision. So it can be tiring, of course. And like you and what you just said, you know, I also have to step back and I have to stop. And so I take care of myself in that way that every six weeks I get two to three weeks off and I spend a lot of time being in my own energy, being in my own field. I feel the same, you know, sometimes people say to me, how do you manage to do the weekly podcast? And I've not missed a week for three years, but I think it doesn't drain me, it nourishes me. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. And this joining together, you know, every time there's two or more, something magical happens. Exactly. That's been my experience. Yeah. So I always ask the same question at the end, which is if you could give just one gift to all the mothers in the world, what would that one gift be and why? Know that you're not guilty. Know that you've done nothing wrong. And to really, really start to ingest that, to start to remove the sense that you aren't enough. And the medicine would be to take time to luxuriate in your pause as many times in the day as you can. Beautiful. Thank you. So that was the episode. I hope that you really enjoyed it. As ever, if you did, please consider sharing it with your friends and leaving me a review on iTunes. It really does make a difference to the number of mums that we can reach with the brilliant wisdom 
of the guests I have on. Also, just a reminder about the Family Reset Plan. It's my latest offering to parents. I think that we are living in probably the challenge of our lifetimes. Well, definitely so far. And as parents, we not only have to support ourselves, we also have to support our children. And that is a lot. So the Family Reset Plan is myself and two brilliant psychologists and we give you step-by-step, simple, applicable ways that you can support yourself emotionally to feel stronger, calmer, and therefore to support your children in a different way. It's all grounded in psychology and neuroscience. It's just £25 currently. And if you work for the NHS, it is totally free for you. So check out the website, familyresetplan.co.uk. Take care. I'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Lauren. And I'm Nicole. And if you enjoy this show, you will love our podcast, Self Care Club. Every week, we trial a different form of self care and report back on the results. We've tried everything from cuddle therapy, setting boundaries, laughter yoga, and many more. Two friends who rarely agree on anything, testing out the world of self care so you don't have to. We've even written a book dedicated to self care practices that cost you nothing. You can listen to Self Care Club wherever you get your podcasts. Or to purchase our book, search Have You Tried This on Amazon.